You talking to me? Well, yes, you and everyone else that's listening, Robert. Do you have any idea how fucking busy I am? No, but do you know how busy we are producing six high-quality podcasts? I got a boner. Uh, okay. All Things Film, six of the best high-quality free podcasts on the internet. No, they are, really. Film Freaks, daily grindhouse podcast. It was only a pound. Mass Movie Side UK, the podcast on Fire Network, and of course, Film Exploitation, the All Things Film podcast. All available to download free from allthingsfilm.co.uk and from iTunes. Really, you should get that cough scene to it. It could be something serious. We're tonight's entertainment. No joker, we're tonight's entertainment. And every night on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, and available from www.allthingsfilm.co.uk. What's the website address again, Chewbacca? <laughs> so sit back, subscribe, and enjoy. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. It's This Week in Sleaze with your host, the great lord, Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some high-class fucking, uh, let's talk some courtesans indeed, yeah, when that all means that we turn to the more explicit, sleazier side of the big studio Shaw Brothers in Hong Kong, because they were not all about the kung fu and sword play, uh, because... All the way back to a movie like Night of Nights that we covered on the show before you were a host, the great Lord Joshua Regal. Uh, that featured, uh, you know, a, a tiny bit of nudity, but it kind of started gonna started uh, the ball rolling for erotica at all in these movies, in these sword play movies. Uh, it trickled into these classy, gorgeous period epics, uh, but but also combined it with the action and the gore, and that's where we find. Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan from director Cho Yun. And we'll be talking of that uh, classic from 1972. That's my view anyway. And, but also his uh, 1984 directed remake called Lust for Love of a Chinese Courtesan. And that is uh, the content of episode 30 of This Week in Sleaze. And my name is Lisa Kay. And with me is the great Lord Joshua Regal. So say hello, buddy. Out of the Black Sun territory, finally. Oh my God! And into Finally. the bright, uh, brightly coloured uh, sun of—I uh, I don't know where I'm going with that—but it's—it's uh, it's not. We're not in the dark shadows anymore. We're out of the shadows and into the brothel. We're talking to hooker movies here, essentially. You know, it's where it is. It's maybe classy looking. Yeah, courtesans, hookers, same difference. Mm. So it's therefore we we put that clause this in the tidy wide field despite, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. they, they may be big classics and they may have the uh, directors worth talking about and the historical significance, but uh, we're just going to treat it pretty simply and be uh, very immature probably about this whole process as we uh, normally are in the tidy wide field. So, so s- strap in, sit tight, uh, sit uncomfortably in the seats in the tidy wide field. That's the only only way you're going to sit. You know, you're not even allowed to stand. You're, you're only allowed to sit uncomfortably with, with all the springs coming out and the smell and the sticky seats and the, 
it's all good. Personally, uh, warmed up by me, obviously. <laughs> As they always are. Always. It's a big theater, too, so it takes a while. Like. Yeah, he has to come down and he sits at the first seat. Yeah, he's got to sit there about 10 minutes and then keeps going and going and going. I mean, I'm not, not talking too much about sitting. I'm more like uh, staining them before well, <laughs> the, yeah. the audience comes in. <laughs> I mean, well, you have to sit down while you sit there and, you know. Well, well, maybe to get more seats done in one go, I should just stand up and, like, uh, spread it in one go over several seats. Like, <laughs> but it's not going to have the warmth, though, of, you know, masturbation. Oh, I'm Swedish. It will have the warmth. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I'm loaded. <laughs> we have, but, geez. You know. That's the Swedish stereotype, is it? I, I had not heard that. <laughs> well, it is now. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. Full of cum. That's what we are. <laughs> Sweden. Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, that's what it says when you uh, when you uh, cross the border from uh, from let's say Denmark to Sweden, like Sweden, full of cum. <laughs> <laughs> you have commercials on TV and stuff about it, you know. And, and those commercials sound like these: Sweden, full of cum. <laughs> Obviously, they sound like that. Obviously, that, that that's genuine Swedish for you. Yeah, I mean, you were probably just speaking Swedish. I know, I know. I was. I totally was. <laughs> that's what I thought, yeah. Uh, but okay, let's, uh, that's starting the show off on a good note. And therefore, let's run through the contact information. Uh, this is This Weekend's Lease 30. And I'm not celebrating the Big 30 at all because uh, I don't like celebrating anything. So it's just it's just the, the Big 30, if we, or, or Episode 30, whatever. Uh, but thank you everybody for listening and all, and all of that. Blah 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 blah. We're on podcastonfire.com, and uh, I'm, I'm not saying that to like I, I love you all, listeners. Uh, but I'm just saying that I don't make a big fuss about uh, the tenth, the twentieth, or the thirtieth episode. So uh, you're all good in my book, and thank you for supporting us and all of that. And hope you enjoyed this show. And this show is on podcastonfire.com. We have this show bonus episodes, and at the time of recording, and newly. Uh, a newly created show on the network, the Golden Ninja podcast that I also host. Oh just, yeah! Just uh, finally, the vision for the network has kind of come full circle and it's complete. I think. I think we're covering all the bases now. The sole thing that was missing was ninjas. Yes, people were clamoring for it. They were I don't like... think they were, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it up there, and it starts with me. And if I'm satisfied, that's half the battle. So. Uh, but uh, we have that and the bonus episodes on that site. The email, if you like to show or have any feedback or questions, uh, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Join the, discuss- uh, join the discussion over at Facebook. Uh, we have our page that you can click and like. We've nearly reached 300, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for us it is. It's a steady climb, so uh, thank you for that support as well. Facebook.com forward slash PUF Network if you want to give us a like and follow. Show updates, but you can also do that in the discussion group. Uh, you have a link to follow on that page that you just said, or you can just type in Podcast of Network in the Facebook search box, and that will get you a group. Follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash Podcast of Fire and my writing of uh, various Category 3 movies, Taiwanese movies, Ninja Exploitation, and uh, various uh, Hong Kong movies in like quick take formats. And it's on SoGoodReviews.com and I also do video reviews at SleazyKVideo.com. I have a slight vision for the future, but it's um, going to have to wait a little bit. That uh, the, the video reviewing format might change ever so slightly and I might actually start doing on-camera reviews. Nice. Because I'm thinking, uh, in all seriousness, m- many of my ideas come from other people's good ideas and structure mm-hmm. habits. And I don't know if you or Joshua or anyone else is familiar with uh, uh, The Silver Spleen, which is hosted by Sean Tierney. 
he reviews uh, Hong Kong movies, uh, uh, current movies and old movies, and he he, do, he does it very simply. He has a few like few seconds from a trailer of the movie he's discussing, and then it's him on camera for four or five minutes, uh, and simply just telling us his review, and it's uh, edited very simply. There's no movie clips in between that, and it kind of gets the job done. And uh, my video reviews are very simple. Regardless, you know, so mm-hmm. that that does mean that I have to invest in a camera and uh, and all of that. And uh, right now, money is a little bit tight. So, uh, but it's an idea for the future. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, the cinema snob. Recently, been going on tear, watching some of his clips and stuff like that. He's obviously the humorous side of things, but uh, I find that he does a good job of um, running through the movie, you know, bit by bit, kind of. Sure, it is a review, but that that's also a character and. Uh, uh, and he's really good at that. I'm not um, planning to create a character, though. Uh, it's no. just uh, like me giving my short view on the movie of, that I've already done in writing anyway. But uh, I think uh, that'll be a neat, simple format to do because uh, the editing is a difficult. Uh, you know, if you do an on-camera thing and do your bits and uh, you know redo them and start over, then it's all a matter of just taking out the stuff that is not supposed to be there. And that'll be the review. It's obviously going to be a little bit choppy, as you do. Right. Uh, but it's not like you go from, <laughs> you're on the left side, on the right side, middle. Right. <laughs> beneath the frame, on top of the frame. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like a cartoon character. Uh, but then, that, that might be something for the future, uh, future to do. Uh, but uh, sleazekvideo.com anyway, I'll do uh, spoken word reviews at the time of recording. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash so good reviews is my Twitter account. Twitter. I almost, almost said, said it jitter. You know, from, you know, from the IT crowd, they had, they had friend face in the IT crowd. They jo- all joined <laughs> friend face, and they all were on jitter as well. I do remember friend face. Yeah. So, uh, and all all that was, uh, I re I rewatched the IT crowd because I I love that show. Uh, but <laughs> I I don't know if that was the case of Facebook that they were like cramming advertisements down our throats in the beginning. But that show, at least. The characters were all like super affected by the advertisement because they started drinking not Coke, but Cuke. <laughs> you know? And they literally said like the, 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 the slogans, you know, to each other. You, you kidding me? I love Cuke. It's heaven in a can. <laughs> it's like as soon as, uh, as he joined uh, Facebook, Ed O'Dowd, like, oh, you can play games on this. God, I'm so thirsty. because he wanted to join it because the girls on the seventh floor were on facebook (laughs) it's like oh i remember that so uh and uh moss wanted to join because he could play a scrabble on facebook so 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 he was like in in 10 seconds (laughs) the camera pans to edward out's character pans back to to richard iota's character i mean so the it crowd that's all good fun you should watch that uh but you should also subscribe to us on itunes rate and subscribe and if you have the time please leave leave a little written comment uh, and uh, stream us on stitcher radio application available uh well the application is not available online it's online but it's also available on your iphone ipad or or android and type in this week in sleaze in uh, Stitcher to add us to your favorites and buy some t-shirts uh, get them to, uh, from Brian Kirby and be kind to him uh, because he's been kind to the show and done some music for us so shelflifeclothing.com your endeavors in a nutshell my friend you're writing and podcasting ah, very net. you can read all my writing and whatnot over there and uh, the Trashy Trio is uh, my other podcast where we talk about you guessed it, sleazy movies. Mm-hmm. Check them out on uh, you know, Libsyn, Google search the Trashy Trio podcast. You'll find 
all sorts of links. We have a Facebook page, whatever. I don't know why, uh, by the way, uh, when you search the Trashy Trio, mm-hmm. Silver and Gold always comes up as well. We did a uh, a little special show on uh, Silver and Gold. We did. They were looking. Yeah, at one point they were looking for just some extra content to throw up there, and uh, we did a review of a Paul Nashy movie for it. Okay, so. gotcha. Because it seems like okay, the keywords might be the same. Yeah. Trashy, sleazy, whatever. <laughs> but it's like it always comes up. It must be a connection. But there you go. Yeah. Problem solved. We didn't need to go to uh, Lennon Nimoy to do a in search of. No. Why? <laughs> the iTunes, uh, the iTunes mystery. Uh, but uh, anyway, Trashy Trio, uh, that's all good, uh, good fun. And uh, you got the links uh, verbally. You get the links in the show post. And uh, therefore, we are taking a short break to uh, play some music from Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan, and then we'll be back to discuss it. So, see you after the break. And this is the first review of this episode, The Big 30, and we are talking Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan. I actually know the Chinese title of this movie. You do? I knew. That's it? Yes, the, yeah, it's the character, the character, the lead character's name is the Chinese title of the movie. I remember uh, King Hu told me that, that it's I knew. Those bastards. <laughs> you bastards, what's wrong with that? That's well, it. They turn it from, like, I knew, like a two-syllable, uh word to freaking intimate confessions of a Chinese courtesan. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, got, it got me my boner, so I'm not complaining. Well, I mean, it's, it's a mouthful, that's all I'm saying. Oh, well, I don't mind a mouthful. That's well. <laughs> 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 Yeah. And uh, plot. That is a way more closet than that uh, raunchy joke, if you will. And it's from the Hong Kong digital review of the film by our good friend John Charles. It opens with a green-tinted prologue in which police inspector G. De, played by Yu Hua, Shaw Brothers veteran Yu Hua, uh, co-star of Come Drink With Me, among other movies. He investigates a murder apparently committed by a prostitute named Ai Nu, played by Lily Ho. Flashbacks reveal that Ai Nu was among a number of maidens kidnapped by brigands under the orders of regal lesbian Madame Chun, played by Betty Pei T. Although the girl's virginity is auctioned off in the usual manner to a group of rich deviants, are there any other? You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're rich. You don't, you, you don't hear about poor deviants that much. No, so I don't have the money for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's auctioned off to uh, to uh, those. Uh, but uh, Chun, the Madame, is attracted to Ainu's beauty and and uh, takes Ainu under her wing. Uh, soon, deeply infatuated, she imparts all her martial arts skills to the girl, who goes on to become the establishment's number one attraction. When a second murder occurs, Inspector G deduces that Ainu is eliminating the man who raped her years earlier, but his hands are tied as he has no concrete evidence. There you go. And uh, as we told you earlier, since we're in the Tidy Whitey Theater, we usually don't do extensive backgrounds, but I would like to get a few mentions in of, in particular, the director of this movie, Cho Yun, or Chu Yan in Mandarin. 
that's usually his credits on the movies. It's uh, Chu Yan. And uh, also we'll talk a little bit about uh, the lead, Lily Ho. Uh, but uh, on uh, Cho Yun, one of Shaw Brothers' most versatile and high-profile directors. He's associated with comedy, drama, martial arts, sword play, and even acting. You can see him playing the big boss in Police Story. He's the gray-haired boss that uh, that uh, Jackie uh, beats up uh, at the end of the movie. Yes. Uh, and you, you, you can see him in, um, you know, he, he's the big boss that he like, punches into the stomach like, 10, 15 times at the end of the police story, I believe. Yeah. And uh, Charlie Chow is in that movie uh, as well. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. Yeah, he smashes his uh, glasses uh, at the end of the movie. And Charlie was probably thinking, like, fuck this, I'm doing erotica <laughs> instead. I'm not a weird made out for all this physical crap. <laughs> if I'm in, anyone's going to be physical, it's going to be me. So I'll bring my butter and I'm going to do category free movies from now on. Bye. <laughs> Give me some eye to hump. <laughs> So uh, anyway, back to Cho Yun. He directed his first film in 1959 and was a major director of Cantonese films. And uh, even at Shaw Brothers, had a big hit with a Cantonese language film called House of 72 Tenants. It's a, a big, big, big comedy. And that was quite revolutionary because the climate was dominated by Mandarin-speaking cinema at that time. And uh, he's done classic upon classic in various uh, genres in uh, actual brothers, including The Killer, which is also known as Sacred Knives of Vengeance, one of Celestial's unreleased movies. They played it on TV, uh, but mm-hmm. they never released a remaster print on DVD of The Killer. And this, uh, all that's in circulation, aside from that TV print, is the Warner Brothers distributed uh, version called Sacred Knives of Vengeance. But it's an excellent movie, so it's a shame it wasn't released. Uh, he also did a martial arts drama called The Bastard. He did a Magic Blade, Killer Clans, Death Duel, and even late in his Shaw Brothers run, he still had some juice left in him. He did a wonderful comedy called Let's Have a Baby. It's a really manic comedy with Alex Mann and Pat Ha, like from 1985, a very last year of uh, Shaw Brothers productions uh, at that time. Uh, but he mixed acting and directing in the 80s. He directed Chai and Fat in Diary of a Big Man with the classic musical number by Chai and Fat with the immortal words in English, Very nice! <laughs> So it's a big musical number and a great, a great comedy, a very funny comedy. Comedy. He directed Stephen Chow in Sleazy Dizzy, which is one of his like pre-stardom comedies, or like a year after he was a big star. But it's still kind of uneven. It's not um, St- Stephen Chow firmly, you know, ha- having found his voice yet. So uh, I find uh, most of uh, Stephen Chow's movies to be pretty up and down. It, they, they vary in quality, but they, you know, from '92 and onwards to '93 and onwards, there's a better, steady stream of quality. You know, uh, but '89, uh, 1991, he was still trying to find his voice, I think. And uh, finally, you can also see him acting in another Jackie Chan movie that was directed by. Uh, Gordon Chan, I believe, Thunderbolt, his racing movie. Cho Yun plays Uncle Tung. He's uh, part of like, the racing stable, That's um, the, the family that's around uh, Jackie Chan in that movie. Uh, so that's uh, that's the way you can see him. Uh, Cho Yun was actually in the news recently at the time of recording where that it was reported that he's uh, suffering from dementia. But like a few days after that, uh, his wife, I believe, uh, denied it. So... I mean, it is also, it's not impossible, of course, but uh, apparently uh, the wife thought that that's, uh, that, that was a lie, and uh, I don't know either or. I mean, I've never heard of it. I know he's retired, obviously, but... Uh, but anyway, lead... Uh, oh, by the way, do, do you have any, any, any like, uh, spontaneous, uh, like, uh, memory of seeing various Choyun movies, uh, you know, if you are aware of it or not, if you look at the filmography? Killer Clans is pretty awesome. 
It's pretty awesome. One of the, he'd made so many of these complex wuxia movies at the end of the 70s, many based on, I believe, novelist Gulong, uh, his um, novels were, <laughs> were done by Cho Yun, and they were awfully complex a lot, a, lot, a lot of the times. But Killer Clans, I remember enjoying. It was like twist from twist, uh, twist upon twist, twist upon twist, and it was kind of enjoyable and good fun. It has some great action, and they, these high-flying wuxia-style movies, they, they could be... They were made in, you know, at a pretty high skill level at the end of the 70s. Shore Brothers knew how to, like, convey the fantastical elements uh, pretty well. Uh, so, um, But the, it's not my favorite period of children's. I like his uh, early 70s period a lot more. He made a lot of cool bashers and uh, very violent, uh, you know, gritty, violent movies, if you will. But um, I recommend Death Duel. It's a, a good... Um, uh, quite a... a Gory, violent, and visually stunning uh, Wuxia, starring uh, Derek Yee, which I believe is remaking that movie right now himself as as a director. So there it goes. It comes full circle, if you believe. So someone is, I believe. Anyway, I, I don't know if uh, Derek Yee was uh, directing or not. But anyway, moving on a little bit to Lead Liliho, who had a short but very successful movie career before retiring in 1974 after marriage, which is usually what happens. Uh, she did not become typecast despite her gorgeous looks. Uh, therefore, we got a versatile resume as well from the actress, from everything from that scandalous but nowadays cut out of the movie prints nudity in Night of Nights, uh, which is a sword play movie, and her character disrobes, but in the uncut print is actually a body double. Uh, so it's Lily Ho, but not Lily Ho, actually. But uh, it was quite uh, a raunchy sight for... Um, for any movie. And it's not a movie that's an erotic movie throughout or anything. It's that moment. Um, she, she's also one of many in the classic, um, it's a big cast, in the classic The 14 Amazons. She plays a male character in The 14 Amazons. Um, and it's like, obviously, yeah, that's a woman, but still, you know, she's, yes. you know, she's excellent in it. It's not like, uh, that trope has always been like, they don't like put facial hair on, on anyone pretending to be a man or playing a man they just uh, make sure they we don't see their long hair uh, i'm actually watching game of thrones and there's uh there's this little girl in it or whatever she cuts her hair and she's still obviously a little girl but like 80 percent of the people who you know come upon her are like you know boy what are you doing <laughs> what have you she's like it's like what the fuck <laughs> I've been watching too much Hong Kong cinema. What the uh, hell? Yeah, that offer. He, he watched the 14 Amazons. <laughs> we, 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 we've cracked the, the code. George R. R. Martin stole everything from Hong Kong. Sure, he owes everything to Shaw Brothers and Lily Ho. So pay, yes. pay up, pay up. You got the loot. You got the loot. We know that. <laughs> uh, never seen Game of Thrones. No personal interest in it. Uh, but uh, I know it's a juggernaut, and that's uh, that's all good. That's all good. Dude, titties everywhere. You'll love it. It's great. I am not really a fantasy guy, though. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching just because uh, I enjoy watching Lord of the Rings kind of casually, but I'm not really a fantasy guy, to be honest. I'm not in, in you know, but maybe it's. I don't know. Go, go ahead, sell me on it, motherfucker. I, I watch, you know, Lord of the Rings and what have you. You know, I mean, they're good movies, but, it, you know, it's nothing like that's just blowing my mind or anything like that. I've never been a big dude on fantasy. I, I certainly, I'm not going out LARPing or anything like that, but, uh, I tell you, I don't know. Yeah, I, I watched it because I, the. I tell you, have a titties up pretty good. Some <laughs> titties, man. Titties and blood. They got both of them. So. Rape and incest and shit. Oh, so, yeah, rape incest. It's great. That's only <laughs> no. the first episode. That is actually only like the first first couple episodes, at least. But no, uh, 
you know, it gets into some crazy territory and whatnot, but mostly, you know, I don't know, just Peter Denklage is such a great actor, and it's... I thought he's pretty good in it. I'll make sure Game of Thrones ends its run, and then I'll get into it so I don't have to sit there and uh, wait for it. How about that? <laughs> Can we agree on that? <laughs> yes. Because at some point, they gotta quit the, quit the fucking thing. I mean, the books are sure to run out at some point, yeah. The books aren't even finished right now, from what I understand, but... Uh... He's got like one or two more books to finish it. Right, so that guarantees a few seasons uh, so people can be happy. But uh, uh, regardless, that's Game of Thrones and what have you. So uh, uh, what, what, with Lily Ho, I mean, I... I uh, Game I, of Thrones with yeah. Lily Ho. <laughs> I'd watch it. Um, yeah. I mean, she also did like modern action adventures like The Lady Professional and erotically charged roles like the one we're talking of shortly without um, taking her clothes off, though. She wasn't um, uh, that uh, type of actress uh, as such. And very compelling and commanding actress in the roles I've seen her. You know, she uh, uh, never liked the flower vase role, only and just a pretty face. But, you know, in the casino, and I would show you a movie, she plays you know, the head of the casino. She's just a tough, tough character. And uh, you, you could sense why she be popped and became popular uh, based on this movie alone. You can say that for both actresses in this movie, Peyton and, uh, and Lily Hope. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're moving on to the review. So, Joshua, quick bite-sized opinion first of Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan, or as it's known in Chinese, I knew that really annoyed you. <laughs> what the hell? These bastards. Why must they make me say more words? <laughs> uh, short opinion. Um, yeah, very classy, very uh, quality. Uh, I'm not gonna say erotic movie, but uh, it's 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 something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how you'd really classify it, but uh, overall, a really nice mix of uh, action and uh, titillation. Sure, sure, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, it can be slotted in into a lot of things. Like, uh, it's got swordplay, it's got, uh, you know, it's a period drama, it's a revenge movie, and it's got, uh, you know, erotica to a degree. Uh, and uh, so so it's sexy, per definition, you know. Um, and, uh, for my opinion, basic revenge classic. And basic uh, is, um, in this case, meaning it's stripped of unnecessary filler and fat and just goes for the needed beats the story dictates. Because it's a simple revenge story. It, it's essentially a rape and revenge movie. It is. It is. Absolutely. Uh, but they like, uh, yeah, it's like, yay! It was! <laughs> they call Ken her didn't say it, and therefore it was a surprise to me. How thoughtful of him. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, it's all done in a sexy, gorgeous, and at times gory frame. And for me, actually, I mean, it's not... Um, if I were to rate it, it's not five out of five, but it is an iconic classic. Yeah, it, in my mind, it can't be denied that it definitely is uh, and, uh, an interesting entry in uh, Choyun's uh, filmography. It should be said that Erotica was also like spearheaded by directors like Li Han Shang, who first got famous doing operas on film. This peak in operas, uh, he did movies like Love Turn in the sixties, but later did movies like The Golden Lotus. That was nineteen seventy four, uh, that co-starred a young Jackie Chan. He's in the like first twenty thirty minutes as a uh, a salesman, a boy on the street that kind of finds out uh, what the uh, evil character does and uh, gets killed like 30 minutes into a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like a really on-screen uh, role for Jackie. Uh, no sex scenes or anything. So, um, uh, but very proves all of that based on these two directors alone that many directors took on many genres in Shaw Brothers or at Shaw Brothers and they weren't too good for 
erotica, you know, they weren't, uh, you know, uh, above uh, above it, like, oh, only do operas and comedies, <laughs> what, what, what? Shorts was a genre factor, as you well know, uh, Joshua, and uh, that included adults-only material as well, uh, you know, horror, erotica, and extreme movies. And uh, what you might know, Joshua and uh, listeners, but if you don't know all listeners, is that director Clarence Fock kind of reimagined Intimate Confessions for his also visually stunning and wild category free erotica action icon, Naked Killer. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, he, he's been open about that, but it's not a, like a straight, just modern remake or anything, but it, it does, it has like these iconic elements that many remembered through the decades, and he took you that. Did more lesbian sex, though. I did a lot more lesbian sex, indeed, but, uh, you know, times change, you know, I'm sure. Shaw Brothers could do like explicit sex scenes or what have you, but Cho mm-hmm. Yun didn't aim for it in this one. But if when we get to the other movie uh, from nineteen eighty four, it's clear that uh, some restrictions are, are uh, you know they, they are lifted and probably it's a more open society in a way. Um, but anyway, Cho Yun was also, by the way, uh, a director with a great eye for for the visual. And the, the thing is, when you were a Shaw Brothers director. Even like a director like Mu Tun Fei, who came in and did a, a comedy and a period movie or two at Shaw Brothers, you, anyone could be a visual director because the Shaw Brothers sets are so goddamn good. You know, the production yes. values are so goddamn good. But uh, I don't know, based on this movie alone, do you, is that something you like thought, that, thought like this guy's eye is quite strong? Oh, yeah. From the first thing, you know, it's one of my earliest notes was just talking about the sets and everything like that and just how he's using the camera and... Uh, yeah, using some slightly longer takes and stuff like that, I was just noticing, and uh, yeah, it's a really beautiful looking movie. Yeah, I love whenever whenever the camera follows uh, characters from outdoor sets to mm-hmm. indoor sets, uh, or obviously still shooting from the outside, but just showing off the like extensive uh, builds at Shore Brothers that they either did for the movie or that was standing sets. Um, I mean, if you watch a lot of Shore Brothers movies, you can see. A lot of uh, familiar structures, someone had you from other movies. There's a big gate that you can mm-hmm. see in tons of Chang Chie movies or Lao Garland movies. That, that was done, uh, that was outside though, on the Shaw Brothers lot. But uh, there's a big stair staircase leading up to the gate as well in some movies. So, you know, they, they had their visual, they had their standing stuff, but they all obviously also built, uh, built things. Uh, I love also that this movie, again, is basic and it's thankfully, I mean, you don't today. I, I, it really gets me annoyed sometimes that why should you have extensive running time just because you're an expensive looking movie? No, you can be a basic story and be a period costume epic in the looks department alone and still come out with a lean running time. And this is what we get with Intimate Confessions and that I enjoy immensely. Mm-hmm. Like 88 minutes or what have you. Uh, I just love that. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, you don't need to be two hours sometimes just because you have uh, the ability uh, it, it just becomes show offy just because you can yeah yeah so i love the lean running time and uh, and what have you but i i yeah i guess you maybe made that note uh, fairly early on maybe in the credit sequence where we see i knew dancing around her bedroom essentially where she's disrobed by her maidens and uh, you know it's uh, you kind of get like hey <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? Especially since the movie opens with a pre credit scene revealing that someone has been murdered. Murder. <laughs> so, uh, so you kind of get to, oh, that's 
there's gonna be blood and there's oh wow girls uh what do you think of the outdoor sets in this movie and Shaw Brothers movies in general have you ever had any thoughts on that because I, I find them charming to a degree uh, that's absolutely yeah I mean uh as the 80s came around I feel like things get even bigger with the studio as far as like their sets and whatnot but uh here in the 70s it's still you know just absolutely gorgeous especially in this film I feel like I feel like the director does really well using uh both the sets and color. There's a lot of really great color in it, too. Exactly. That's it. I'm glad that you said it that way, because the charm of the outdoor sets at Shaw Brothers is that sometimes they didn't really care to sell us on the fact that they're outdoors, because right. they, they embrace the stage feel. Like, that's a backdrop. But here, uh, because a lot of the outdoor scenes, so to say, they have uh, they obviously are shot uh, sometimes in... Um, in the dark, it's nighttime, but mm-hmm. they, they lay down snow, fake snow, and what have you. And it's one of the like few movies shot indoors at Shaw Brothers that convey the feeling of being outdoors. It's really convincing where they ride in the snow with uh, the uh, the girls in uh, in uh, not in cages even, but in boxes and going to deliver them to Madame Chun. And that whole lead up to uh, is uh, very convincing. It looks like it's outdoors, definitely. What else can we say? Well, dr- dramatically, there's obviously we follow Lily Hose, I new character, and there's uh, obviously. Um, Torment and hurt uh, there based on her experiences having been kidnapped, essentially. Uh, so, I guess, how do you feel following that character from as, from a victim to, like, uh, taking out her, you know, getting her revenge? Is that a compelling character journey, in, uh, despite it being a short movie? Uh, absolutely, I think so. I mean, I find um, the relationship between uh, Chun and Ainu to be uh, very strong in this film. I find that, like, uh, I knew is... I, I love the quick journey that it makes between, like, her first, you know, basically essentially being tortured through the first half of the movie by uh, Chun and stuff like that. She's basically tortured and beaten into submission to become a good prostitute or whatever. And uh, I just I love how it goes from her being this girl who dress in, dresses in these blue um, outfits and stuff like that, slightly masculine colors, and uh, obviously has no care for the softer side of things to be in, like, she goes from that, and then they have the rape sequence where we see the gentlemen who do rape her, or what have you, her first quote-unquote customers, and then it cuts to her a couple of years later, and everything is pink and white, you know? And it's, I guess, supposed to, like, resemble her slightly more like a uh, sapphic side like her le- newfound lesbianism or what have you and um but you can kind of tell you know it's false you know you know that even even she doesn't have to come out and say hey you know i have a secret ulterior motive going on here but you just kind of know it because she's abandoned everything all of her principles and everything about herself from the first everything we know about her up until this point all of that's gone and washed away and she's and supposedly this happy character who's you know all pink and white and everything's dandy but you know we know the truth you know it's that is very evident throughout the movie but early on there's a the slight it's like it takes place in flashback this movie so mm-hmm. there's a shot of lily ho in the mirror and i think she got her like maidens or chamber maidens or whatever in the background they're like uh, dolling her up but uh, there's a shot of her looking ever so slightly uh, in the mirror uh, distraught you can see it in her eyes that yeah. uh, there's not pure comfort here and there's no like inner peace in her you know so uh, that's 
sometimes all you need, man. And if you're a good director, you don't need to be expository about it. Like there's exactly where we can be guilty of that, actually. But uh, I, I love that there's there's tons to be had down through very little. You know, it's uh, it moves along as we um, and all of that. Uh, but like in that flashback sequence, uh, it, uh, it's not an overly brutal movie. Obviously, not no overly uh, like um, erotic movie in terms of tons of nudity, but it's. Uh, it gets kind of the job done as a exploitation movie. I mean, it did more than I thought it was, especially uh, some of the blood and stuff. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. And even you know, we uh, you can track forward to movies like Sex and Sin Free in terms of like uh, genre tropes because the arrivals here are checked by uh, an elderly woman, though they're checked for virgin that they're virgins or what have you. In, in Sex and Sand Free, it was this elaborate, like, placing them in categories, you know, <laughs> specific yeah. categories. So it was uh, under Wong Jing's Watchful Eye, there, there, it was uh, a bit more elaborate. But uh, and, and again, it's a sword play movie, kung fu movie party. So even our lesbian mamazan, if you will, you know, she's kung fu able in this wuxia genre way. So you, you get, like, jumps and leaf and lethal one-strike techniques, you know. Oh, yeah, she can punch through your stomach, right? Yeah, hers is, like nearly a story of ricky style technique we don't get that on screen but her palm strike is so strong that you know if you she strikes you on the chest or what have you there will be a, like a big bloody wound or what have you so and and that's sold very well it's not like okay bring in the stuntman and some burly guy comes in and sells it you know it, it seems part of the whole it's very convincing and uh, I, I just love that combo of uh, beauty and epic feel and uh, like gritty violence and evil like really pervy primal sexuality in a way because at one point madame chun has i don't know if she uh beat uh i knew with a whip uh but afterwards she licks her wounds and uh this was a pre-aids kind of world also <laughs> i mean in terms of when it was made i mean i know it's a period epic but i'm not sure <laughs> After like eight hits, unfortunately, in the eighties, that this scene would be done as you know freely and in your face as it is. But uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would have been. But uh, it's uh, like whoa! It's uh, this primal instinct here, like uh, uh, sort of cynicism, I suppose, and an evil, I suppose. That but then it turns out, you know, as as the movie runs along without spoiling it, that she develops these uh, actual feelings for uh, for I knew uh, and may- maybe that's the start I don't know in her pervy kind of black way that you know I'm gonna make her mine and I'm gonna start that way because I love her <laughs> so, I don't know and of course uh, as you said it, uh, she gets into she uh, gets uh, sold to her first uh, customers and what have you and it's obviously like a world that's a period world, yeah, but it's not unlike our world today, and certainly not movie making of today. Uh, women are cattle in these movies, unfortunately. It's not um, <laughs> a, a sexy thing here. And uh, men are willing to bid, obviously, but even in 1972, uh, men are apparently sex starved and sex crazed. Yes. Because, oh, 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 she, she's a girl, she's a woman. Oh, oh. Even at that point, you know, all clothed just at the, the sight of. Femininity. Someone new too. Exactly. So it's. Uh, I think he's making a point, sure, you know, obviously, but uh, I love that that's a genre trope in in the seventies as well. You know, like like if you think about your Shaw Brothers journey, uh, were you ever aware, kind of, that they made more than just action movies, or was that a discovery for you? 
And I, I knew that uh, that they made all sorts of movies. I'd heard about the musicals and stuff like that. Stuff I've never seen, really. But, uh, you know, I'd seen, like, the, was it... Uh, is it the, the Tea House and movies like that that are kind of more uh, gangster drama kind of thing, you know? Not really a action movie per se, but, you know, I, I've been aware of that for a long time. As far as, like, the actual sexy stuff, that's uh, sort of new to me. I guess when the library opened up in the early 2000s that and uh, therefore was released on DVD, that allowed for, uh, uh, like, a journey of discovery, if you will. And I, I Cho Yun was a very... Uh, familiar at all to me. I mean, I knew more of, you know, obviously, Chang Che and uh, Lao Galong as directors, but um, I, I never even saw my first Shaw Brothers movie until they hit the DVD. So uh, that's uh, my journey of discovery started there. Uh, do you think um, the movie is more effective without the rape scene? Because you know what I'm talking about, all the rape scenes, uh, you yeah. know, that, they, okay, the men pay for her. Uh, they end before they take place. They end on a freeze frame. Right. I think uh, I think it's very stylish, and I think it really works and it gets you. Uh, it's slightly. I mean, it might be more memorable than actually going into graphic rape scenes because it's done in such a way where, you know, we get the characters who are, you know, quote unquote doing the raping or what have you, and we'll get a shot of them in slow motion, you know, about to pounce essentially on Ainu, and uh, I don't know, just them being in frame at first, you know, kind of an extended period of time and something so bizarre or what have you. It is dark, even when one of the guys is laughing so much as he disrobes, laughing yeah. like like he would almost roll on the floor laughing his butt off. Uh, you know, he's that excited and into it, and that is even more disturbing because right. it ends that way. I think it would have been too goofy if we would have seen him like, you <laughs> know, oh, yeah, yeah. and, and go into town on her that way. Yeah. And it imprints these characters in our mind, and that's good because later on, you know, it's going to come in handy whenever we see her start, you know, killing these all, all these people, you know. And, indeed, and uh, I mean, we we get uh, reminded of that like half an hour in or forty minutes in that this is still a murder mystery, although the mystery is revealed quite on that it's her, but. Uh, I, I like that reminder, though, that, okay, bring back uh, Hua's uh, police character, and, um, you know, he's he's after her. He knows it's her after a while, and uh, it's I, I like that structure. And all throughout Cho Yun is, again, this the frame is gorgeous, but it's not flashy as such. You know, he's very swift in his storytelling, and he's very confident as... Uh, you know, a technical director. You know what I mean? It's not this, uh, a lot of like extensive zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out. And like, he just gets the job done, you know, and uh, without drawing attention to himself. And I think that's kind of a key thing throughout this filmography, uh, in my mind, because I've seen a fair few. The, the theme, I guess, uh, throughout the movie, it becomes very, very interesting, especially compared to the other movie, that. Um, because she, Madame Chun I'm talking about here, she's obviously a very heinous character, but it, it becomes very interesting, again, done through very little, that she actually is experiencing love. It's not this right. just submission kind of thing, you know, and then when she's done with buying you, you know, she'll spit on her and get someone else in. And that becomes 
interesting for drama without uh, it leading to I knew I can say this much necessarily like having a change of heart because she loves me yeah. but uh, it uh, I don't know it, it, it really is interesting because we, we don't feel sympathy towards uh, Madame Chun but it, I, I like that there's a slight turnaround here that yeah uh, this girl is you know is flooring me yeah, even even in the early half of the movie, I find her character be to be rather interesting because, you know, the first half until it gets into the, like the raw torture of uh, I knew where she's getting whipped and whatnot. But even, all the way before that, you, the character's kind of likable, you know, Chun, even though she's obviously taken in these uh, stolen women for prostitution or what have you. There's still moments where. Uh, just like she stands up to all the men and what have you, and uh, she slaps them right in their face if they get out of line and things like that. She's this very strong character who, you know, I don't know, she seems genuinely kind of likable up until, you know, the movie kind of paints her as a villain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and that kind of comes full circle towards the back end without getting too spoiler heavy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not um, it's it's clearly black and white, but it's also not as black and white as you might think in terms of uh, you know yeah, good evil. In there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the swordplay is solid too. Uh, we mm-hmm. get uh, quite a memorable one between mostly and uh, not a lot of doubling. Uh, Lily Ho versus Yu uh, Hua. Uh, it's a nice mix of doubles and actors. Yu uh, Hua uh, knew martial arts as soon as uh, as far as I know or learned. Uh, uh, Film fighting at Shaw Brothers, so, uh, but but the doubling is quite um, nicely hidden, and Lily Ho seems to do a lot of the choreography. And uh, who knows? I don't know know this, but it's not impossible that she did have a dance background, or just uh, movie fighting came easy to her in terms of at least uh, sword fighting. You know, uh, Fourteen Amazons is a, a wuxia type of movie, so it's uh, reliant on. Not only, you know, grounded stuff, but uh, she was memorable in that too. And uh, um, it has a place, you know, the sword play has a place. It's not this shoot in, shoot in uh, genre content in in a TNA show. You know what I mean? It, it has a place uh, because, um, yeah, or maybe it's just me that I enjoy genre benders. But I don't know. Did you think it, it had a place, uh, the, the action element of it? Absolutely. I think that that's really one of the key elements of the film that makes this, you know, kind of delving my hand here, but uh, yeah, I think this one's better than the other, and I think uh, the action partly is uh, responsible for that. That that the way the story dictates violence, but it it can dictate that it should have action as well. So, uh, and um, what else? A few, I will have a few notes on the the ending, don't spoil it though, but um, like I I said that Cho Yun is a a reserved uh, uh, director stylistically, I guess the the one scene that draws attention to itself is what is akin to the movie's uh, orgy. Uh, one of the <laughs> one of the men has um, that cheese off the has uh, several the prostitutes in one go, and it's uh, it's decadence a decadence push for this movie because here's here the camera goes into overdrive with a lot of zoom right. zoom outs, just fire in the foreground, just uh, an all out orgy kind of for a few minutes there. I like when uh, the old dude like slaps a girl's titties as if he can't believe it's real. <laughs> like, what? He slaps him as like, what? This is really happening? And we're talking here like um, these are not like 
farmers that they that no. buys the uh, the prostitutes. We're talking like people in the government, which is why it, like magistrates and the court officials and whatever. Which is why Yu Hua's character has trouble, uh, you know, getting a breakthrough in his case. Uh, that way, you really need solid evidence that. Uh, about uh, everyone, including I know, but he's also he's also dealing with the fact that her uh, targets are uh, officials. So I don't I, I can't remember which movie now. I think you're in both movies, but uh, one of the guys is so old, so he, he he's really into it, but uh, he can't get it up uh, at all times. So he needs um, he'd rather watch because it's... <laughs> he's like you guys go first. I don't know if I can do it. That's the second. It is the second because at one point he's like drinking stuff and it's like, oh, now I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready now. And he probably would come in like uh, two seconds, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, like that was great. Like in fucking Wolf of Wall Street when it's uh, like, I fucked the shit out of her. (laughs) Ten seconds. Ten seconds. It's like the first and last uh, sex scene is uh, kind of that way in Wolf of Wall Street, like pathetically short, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there we go. And uh, finally, on the ending, it's it's if anything makes it like iconic. It's, it's okay. It's many elements before it, but the ending certainly is very memorable. It's suitably set outside. It's among blossom trees. It has a white look already. Uh, the it has a little bit of snow everywhere, and characters are dressed in white as this major standoff uh, occurs. And it's perfect for elegance. And it's perfect for bloodshed. And we get a lot of massacre and slicing and dicing and a, a long white garments just getting splashed with blood. And they don't forget about, uh, you know, f- uh, making the drama come full circle and uh, even provide some surprises. I, I'd say it's not an ending that's easy to, um, like, uh, foresee, if you will. So what are, what are your notes on the anime? Uh, I don't know if I want to give away too much, but uh, yeah, there's a gory little sequence that's really uh, interesting, and uh, you know, there's also some high drama that pops up. That uh, it's not like characters get sliced a little bit. I mean, we we're talking we're talking amputations, absolute amputations. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's kind of cool that this movie like. It has that in it, like characters that we've seen whole and like very elegant and they're very sexy. Mm-hmm. They are deep into, they get deep into this section of the movie too. Like, um, yeah, it's it's very cool. It's very cool that that happens. Yeah, the drama that pops up and what have you, I think it works really well. Uh, if anything, plot-wise in the movie, maybe doesn't work as much as the fact that, uh, I don't know, I, th- I think the cops and Robert are, I guess what would it be? Uh, I don't know. The game that uh, I knew constantly plays with the chief of police or what have you. I think that's kind of silly, you know. And the fact that uh, he's constantly, oh well, I can't do anything because I didn't actually see her commit the murder, you know. I think that stuff kind of gets uh, a bit out of hand at times. But you know, it's uh, still very forgivable and it's not a big deal or anything i agree i agree i think the best set is um the uh chan chen character i think one of the last uh, victims that he goes after he um uh, leads her into he seems to be living in a torture chamber <laughs> <laughs> it's a big uh, but, but i think he's on to her at that point that character so he's uh, i think he's consciously like 
here's where we're going to do it. He's the martial artist, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. He's the youngest uh, of the uh, of all the uh, all, all the men there. He, uh, he actually turns up in the second movie too in a different role. He plays a um, police. Uh, you remember in the second movie where she flees from the old man that took her in, like uh, uh-huh. that, that was kind to her, and then then it's like oh, I'm gonna get some now because I was kind to her. And she runs, she runs out. See, she encounters a police officer. I say, get her, police officer, get her, and it turns out he's corrupted as well. That's the same actor as uh, the guy who, who has the torture chamber in the first movie. So, also. It's the only returning cast member. Uh, Chan Chen is his name, a very veteran uh, veteran show Rob actor that actually died not too long after the second movie. He died uh, fairly young. So. so there you go. So he's the only returning cast member, as far as I know, anyway. But anyway, it's kind of the end of my notes. I, I highly recommend it. It's, uh, it's a classic in my book and a very approachable and very easy to watch kind of classic. It uh, doesn't have too much of... Uh, you know, too much TNA and too much like raunchy, disgusting, like disturbing stuff. It's just a really. It gets uh, it gets pretty heavy in there. You know, there's some ser- there's some lesbianism at work here. There's some. Uh, I mean, they don't go full on, you know, head between the legs or what have you. But uh, well, I'm not saying it's family friendly, but it's not. Uh, it's not. Well, you know, I'm just letting people know. You know, it's pretty. It's got it's got some stuff. Got some stuff. He's got some stuff. Like uh, put out on a DVD cover. Like <laughs> got, some, got stuff. some stuff. Like <laughs> great Lord Joshua Regal. <laughs> it moves. It's moving pictures. <laughs> Things happen. Plot moves. Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, as for availability, then, there's no such thing over DVD covers, as far as I know, but it's part of uh, the, Celest- uh, the Celestial Remastered range of Shore Brothers movies. came out many, many years ago, but it's still in print on Hong Kong DVD, and there is a U.S. edition as well. Uh, reportedly, according to the specs, has an English dub on it as well, which is not uh, surprising, because I think Shore Brothers produced um, English dubs for a large amount of their um, their movies, uh, if they maybe not the operas necessarily, but uh, certainly for a lot of their movies. Uh, the Hong Kong one uh, was an early anamorphic DVD from IVL, who did the DVD and Celestial, obviously did the remastering, because they didn't do anamorphic DVDs initially, and that one unfortunately is an up conversion from a non-anamorphic source. So that DVD looks kind of soft and blurry, but it, it does get the job done when all is said and uh, when all is said and done. Uh, the US DVD might be um, actually uh, anamorphic, but uh, I haven't seen, so I don't know. Uh, but the point is, it's out there. So go get it. Ooh, that's us. Let's take a break and uh, let's uh, return after that uh, with a review of uh, Choyun's uh, remake, refread, kind of reimagining of the same story. It's not exactly the same. Uh, it was made in 1984 and it's called Lust for Love of a Chinese Courtesan. Even more of a mouthful. The, chi- <laughs> the Chinese characters has four. Uh, the Chinese title has four characters. I'm not sure it's necessarily like I knew too. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's that. Gandhi too. <laughs> Did you get that reference? That's a UHF reference. Have you seen that movie? Yes. Yes. Good, 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 man. <laughs> Just checking that you're clued into popular, popular culture. The Spatula City. Spatula City. <laughs> Trying to keep me up to up to brisk with the latest uh, Weird Al reference. Uh, hell yeah. It's a new <laughs> podcast on the Podcast on Fire Network. Like, the Weird Al cast. The all things Al. <laughs> I, I want in. <laughs> Anchor cast and now Weird Al cast. <laughs> There you go. Uh, but there we are taking a short break and we'll be back after that. So sit tight.
着陪，可知道我喜欢什么？你不曾问一回，可知我是谁？ Welcome back, and the second movie of、uh, this episode, episode thirty, is the Choi Yun's、uh, own remake of *Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan*, made in 1984, called *Lust for Love of a Chinese Courtesan*. And plot again from the Hong Kong Digital Review of the film, *The Sensual Madame Chun*, played by Candice Yu. It's,、uh, it's Candice on the Hong Kong Movie Database, and it's Candace in <laughs> in John's review. So who knows? So let, let's just refer to her as Candice Yu. Oh, Candy, you. Let's make up a third name. I can't. There we go. Sugar、oh, like sweet,、that. you. <laughs> Sugar tits, no. Sugar tits, you. Anyway, the sensual Madame Chun, played by Candice Yu, indulges in all manner of immoral acts, ranging from acting as a go-between for assassinations to using abducted girls for her brothel. Called Maryland, which is amusing. <laughs> the, sub- the subtitles, anyway, call it Maryland. Anyway, one of the, her newest workers is feisty young I knew, played by Nancy Hu, who escapes,、uh, who manages to escape after being gang raped, only to be recaptured shortly thereafter. When I knew murders one of her customers, Shun feels sorry for her and covers up the crime. However, straight arrow constable Lin Yun, played by Alex Mann, who once gave Ai Nu some food when he found her cold and starving one night, he smells a rat.、Uh, he decides to begin his own investigation despite having been、uh, rebuked by the district's corrupt magistrate. By now, Chun has developed more than a propi- prop. I don't even know that was a proprietary interest. Proprietary. In, proprietary.、Ah, interest in her beautiful underling and the pair I knew and Chun eventually begin sleeping with each other. I knew starts showing an interest in Ling Yun, however, enraging Chun, who orders her male lover, swordsman slash assassin Xiao Ye, played by actor Shang Kuo Chu, to murder the lawman. Ye is、uh, ye.、Yeah. <gasps> You're into a plot like, <gasps> oh my god, what's going to happen next, Ken? <laughs> oh my god, I might need a moment. Has he? Has she fallen down the well? <laughs> Do we have a dog that can help her out? <laughs> <laughs> He's called Timmy, the lawman Timmy. He's falling down the well. <laughs> the lawman、uh, Timmy. But uh, anyway, uh, ye. The swordsman is attracted to I knew himself, and is finding that his bloodlust has started to fade. So I knew is、uh, stirring emotions, if you will.、Uh, just a few minor notes on actress Candice Yu. She was a Shaw Brothers contract player at this time, but pre those studio days, she starred in the Goldig production Massage Girls in 1976 with a young Chai Fat, and they eventually married in 1983. Oh, <gasps> oh my God! <laughs> but they. Divorced shortly thereafter. Oh, oh my God! No, <laughs> no! Had so much invested in the relationship. I thought they'd last forever, but they didn't.、Uh, various movies for Cho Yun that Candice Yu did include Death Tool, Heaven Sword and Dragon Saber One and Two, as well as Mercenaries from Hong Kong for director Wong Jing at Shaw Brothers.、Uh, she retired mid eighties. She did sporadic appearances, but.、Um, Came back in a more big way for Derek Yee's 2005 youth drama *Too Young*. That's the number *Too Young*,、uh, starring、uh, Jackie Chan's son, JC.、Uh, she had actually dated director Derek Yee two decades prior, so so there you go.、Uh, 
she racked up some nominations and wins from uh, from on the award circle from uh, this point, including for the Alan Mack, Felix Chong directed Once a Gangster and My Name is Fame, which is also uh, the Lao Ching Wan movie that finally gave him uh, got him a Best Actor award after being uh, nominated so many times. And ironically, My Name is Fame is about a struggling actor, so it kind of semi true to life there. So. There you go. That's Candace. Uh, let's jump into the movie there for uh, what's your brief opinion of Lust for Love of a Chinese Courtesan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. about uh, Candace, you chai fat marriage. <laughs> I just want to go back to it. I want to believe the magic was real. Uh, um, it is, to me, what happens when you take something that's stripped down but works really well. And then try to convolute it with like uh, numerous subplots and multiple love interests, and uh, to me, it just it doesn't work as well. Oh, I totally agree with that. It's literally, <laughs> it's literally my main concern with the movie. It's like half a familiar and gorgeous retelling, right? Half a new, more emotional rather than primal take on the story. Uh, therefore, it changes from remake to half a remake. Part of it is valid, part of it's mature, but most of it. It's not very interesting. Right. No, most of it's just, uh, let's see, you know, how many strands of this person falling in love with this person, that person being in love with this person, you know, how much of this we can sit there and stack on top of one another. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's only four characters and maybe really even three, but still it's way too complex. Uh, He loves her. She loves him. She loves her. You know, God Almighty. <laughs> it's, quite, it's too complex for its own good. Uh, that, that's more in the second half. The first half is a bit more solid, a bit more like, yeah, this is a remake. Um, but anyway, it's late in the Shaw Brothers production cycle before they closed up uh, shop in 1985. This is from 1984. And uh, there can be this feeling when watching Shaw Brothers movies at this time, and certainly from the end of the 70s and onwards, I would say, that they were trying to stay relevant. Um, for instance, their kung fu comedy response because uh, Jackie Chan broke through independently. Their response to that wasn't really a good one across the board. I mean, there were some good movies mostly made by Lau Galung, uh, the kung fu comedies, but uh, and it certainly wasn't like it used to be with the Chang Che, Tilong, David Chang movies, and nothing lasts forever, of course, but there, there, there was a feeling of, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, at the late stages now, but having said that, they had creative juices still left for genre fair like horror because the 80s really gave some cool horror flicks remember seeding of a ghost <laughs> they're like uh, boxers omen came out in the early 80s as well like 82 83 or maybe 84 so and they could still produce a stunning looking professional movie obviously and they and uh, last for love certainly is that uh, is that uh you you can't say anything uh anything else uh, against it uh, in terms of that it's not shoddy I like um I like even even something like Opium and the Kung Fu Master, which was like in the early eighties as well. No, it's even uh, it's even eighty five. It's like the last year of Shaw Brothers. It's like mid eighties, like a year before Dick Long made Better Tomorrow. It's like his final thing as Shaw Brothers, and then boom, that. But that movie, I mean, you look at that movie and just the, the sets, everything's kind of looking slightly more realistic, you know. Even though it, I'm quite certain it's still sets, but like. Uh, angles are being changed and stuff like that things are they're doing as much to make it look as real as possible and then they're dealing with content that uh, would have been slightly more off topic during the uh, 70s and whatnot you know in that movie it's drug addiction and things like that 
in this movie, you know, it's uh, let's let's go back to the lesbianism stuff and get a little bit raunchier with it if we can. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what what the thought was behind updating it. If it was just that, uh, it, it may have come partially from like a slight desperation to awaken the glory days or right. uh, or Yun and Shaw's had the idea brewing for a while but it needed to be done now because the box office was uh, not as good for Shaw Brothers movies and I, I think it's kind of true that it's it came it, it's 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 somewhat of a desperate move um in in my mind and uh, it feels a little bit uh, desperate to uh, but but again half a pretty decent movie half like a convoluted movie as we said um and looking at like it beforehand, like uh, at the running time, you're like, hey, this is the same running time. Surely there's no extra filler or extra elements that clearly aren't needed, right? And yeah. despite it is, because they exchange the simple revenge plot for something more emotionally deep and compl- soap opera-like, but even more complex than that. And um, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. At all. And you, you even wanted to yourself, like, is this going to be a shot-for-shot remake? Are they trying to tell the story differently? It is a promising prospect, kind of, normally. Like, let's see where this goes. And it, as we said, it goes where it goes. Uh, but I love the opening. Gorgeous. And and you realize when you watch the opening, it is gorgeous, but it's, uh, it's like the... Uh, I wouldn't say recap of the movie. It's like a kind of tease of what's to come, but very made very abstract because it's uh, shots that they do specifically for the opening credits that like hints at story elements and what characters are in there. I was reminded of like the Shaw Brothers demonstrations and stuff like that before movies and everything like that, where you know martial arts films in particular, where you'd sit there and have the guy come out and you know do all this or what have you and. Uh, I felt like this was like the the dramatic version of that or something like that. Here's all the stuff we're going to throw at you throughout the course of the movie and uh, various scenes of, you know, different sets and everything like that. And it's, it's just, it is, a lot of it's gorgeous. Yeah, especially the long flowing garments and uh, Candice mm-hmm. and Nancy who are uh, lying on a, like a bed of roses at one point, I think, anyway. I mean, there's a lot of thrown at us, and a lot of it's very good. Like, Cho Yun still got the eye, man. Um, what it reminded me of, and I think it's not impossible that uh, it was uh, that Naked Killer was inspired by it. The opening credits to Naked Killer is kind of done in the same way. These uh, sort of abstract shots of the characters are going to be featured in the film, uh, but shot very artistically, and uh, again, with long flowing comments and what have you. So I think... Uh, Wong Jing and Clarence Falk when uh, you know bringing forth concept or concepts of Naked Killer, they I think they had lustful love in mind when they created their opening sequence. Um, and uh, and I think the trailer for Naked Killer, one of them anyway, was essentially that opening credits too. So it was good fodder for the trailer. So aside from the set still looking uh, quite gorgeous, and I, I love how. Um, Lights hit uh, the smokes in the dark sets, you know, that uh, that creates good outdoor atmosphere. And we go from that to, I love in this movie that um, men are still rabid uh, and sexually <laughs> ramped up. But the mama son of this one, Madame Chun, is almost like a rock star, you know, because she has her um, almost like a... <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to make this uh, comparison, but fuck it. You know, it, it kind of reminded me partly her opening, uh, going through the brothel of Boogie Nights. 
because you, 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 there we follow a lot of characters in the opening scene, not just like the manager of the club. But it's her kind of like saying hi and drinking to everyone, and everyone's like, "Yeah, Madame Chung, come drink with me. How are you doing?" So she is this kind of rock star, um, and uh, and men wants to clearly like want girls. They want girls, and the girls are even on this spinning contraption in the middle of the fucking brothel. <laughs> That's insane. Behind that, I too. mean, I've never, I, I, I love sex as much as the next guy, but I don't know. It seems like they've been fought out these guys after a thousand years in the ice, <laughs> and but during the stay in the ice, all the sexual like tension has been built up, and then they throw them into a brothel, and that's why they act so insane. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I I know they kind of emphasize it for cinema, but it's like, wow, I've never been like that, and I've never. I I, I hope I don't I become no like that. I have relate to that. No way. <laughs> so it's like it, it's amusing that they they they're not even like this, um, you know, four-eyed perverts that came to nighty sleazy cinema or anything. They're obviously these magistrates, these officials that dress uh, dress like uh, you should dress when you're an official. But they're oh oh my god oh god boobs. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, underneath all that, like, uh, like a chatter in the brothel, I'm sure that's literally what they're saying, but in a more classic way, of course. Like, like boobs. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sometimes it, it, it's a new, it's a new scene, you know, and all of that. What do you think, us before we kind of derails about the introduction of the third? wheel like the male swordsman assassin that uh, madame chun uses that she has at her disposal it's actually kind of an enhancement of a character that's in intimate confessions that professes her love uh, his love for madame chun uh, one of her closest men but th- this role is way more emphasized than that yeah i uh, actually I, I liked the character especially towards the beginning the assassin guy i thought uh you know he's he's brooding, and uh, I think he makes that work. And then I liked uh, the sequence where we go from a sex scene to his, I think, first real assassination in the movie, where he uh, follows this. Uh, actually, Lady Chun's been paid to uh, assassinate this guy who's carrying a letter to the central bureau or whatever it is, and. Uh, he has to get this letter before it gets some rich, corrupt magistrate in trouble. And so, uh, yeah, I liked his little, you know, fight scene between, uh, he and the guy. And then basically I like his whole little gimmick of, you know, I never think of my own safety when I kill someone and all that. And the movie does its best to paint that for us as much as humanly possible. But, uh, I think that sequence is one of the more clever sequences in the film because you you don't really know if Madame Chun is just um, just using him and making sure he's um, he's at his most effective by sleeping with him because uh, they they had a sex scene before and uh, that gets him going obviously and uh, and then he goes out to perform his assassination and it's kind of like. You know, because during the assassination, the fight scene, they cut back to some flashes of yeah. that sex scene. So it's kind of like his, you know, it feels good. He's gotten laid and therefore he's focused <laughs> and he can perform his job well. So, and, and in all seriousness, I think she treats uh, him that way, at least for that scene. Like, uh, just make sure he feels at his very best. Therefore, he will be at his most deadly and effective. Because she is, uh, she is 
at least bisexual at least <laughs> you know so it's uh, she she obviously falls for Ainu and hard so see I felt like this film played her as being more like the the Ainu thing like felt like that was more of a in this movie it was more of like a, something just got spurred just by her or what have you whereas in uh, the original film it was more like Chun was kind of already like completely bisexual and uh, I knew it was just uh, a, some girl that she kind of fell in love with you know yeah yeah pretty much I think it's established very clear in, in the first one that um, you know I'm a, I'm a lesbian god damn it yeah and in this movie they do it like uh, basically essentially like it, it, this is kind of spoilerish or whatever it's going to go into the last half essentially I knew uh, Chun is reminded of her, her younger self when she sees I knew, and it's uh, kind of like their relationship is kind of weird because it's almost like an incestuous type thing because she was essentially by making love with this girl she's loving herself or what have you, and and that kind of goes back to the original film because the original film had this whole thing where uh, Ainu was essentially playing Chun in that movie and telling her that, you know, we are one together and whatnot, you know? So, I mean, that's kind of a callback to that and what have you, but, you know, unfortunately, a lot of it just doesn't work this time around. I think if we still, as much as that male character is interesting partly, I think uh, the movie would have benefited if uh, we only had Chun and Ainu. Absolutely. Because I like the thread, at least on paper, of... uh, uh, her molding I knew is um, akin to kind of uh, just uh, you know saying goodbye to uh, actually loving and actually being human again if you just embrace like right. getting jewelry thrown at you and getting you know being clothed in the best way possible and uh, you know that kind of corruption and uh, the theme of the movie is kind of uh, I know I say kind of a lot but uh, screw it uh, remembering like your past to a degree like loving was a better like fate loving in the actual ugly world rather than you know in this luxurious world of maryland like those two things versus each other and uh, that's not lacking in interest in terms of yeah that is kind of a vicious circle that they bring in the girls and they shower them with luxury but at what price kind of thing right all the all these things come about at the end. I think all that stuff is interesting. However, the things that aren't interesting kind of overshadow them, such as like the uh, I news love affair essentially with the police chief or what have you. Yeah, it's really a parenthesis in the movie. It's like uh, uh, if you if you ask me to like quote the beats of that uh, story strand, like I, can't. I don't know. <laughs> I really like, don't know. It's not Alex Mann's fault. It's not uh, uh, Nancy Who's fault. It's just this uh, script is. Um, way too um, uh, packed for, for its own good. It takes some real struggling to kind of uh, get down the notes for everything that happens during this movie because so much of it is just subplot, 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 you know, and it, it's hard to keep focused on it, you know? Yeah, they kind of got carried away. I think that's the, you, I think that that's a, a summary also, you know. And uh, I mean, it's, it's it's compared to the first one, it's chock full of um, quite um, 
not graphic sex, but certainly uh, no hint sex, sex at sex. We right. got uh, sex scenes here and hints at the world sex and uh, and obviously oh, f- f- fake humping and what have you. So uh, the only nudity from any of the leads uh, is actually from Nancy, who's uh, body double. It's I don't know if she, I don't know her history as such, but it's clear that they did a body double thing. And Candice, you did just shoot from uh, from uh, angles that hide her breasts. <laughs> like a stupid horny dog, like oh, guts, guts, boop, 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 boop. But uh, that's it. We don't get any. We get strategically placed uh, stuff in the foreground and stuff and things like that. So um, yeah, again, the movie is solid throughout and uh, in terms of production values. But um, I, I miss the basic nature of the original. It's um, I understand the choice, but. Um, I would have, I, when all is said and done, because this wasn't done well, I would have liked to see the basic revenge strand done again and see if it would have been effective 13 years or so later. Uh, I wouldn't be against that, but here the revenge strand is very buried in, uh, right. in the mix. It's, I mean, I'm talking very buried to the point where I really stand by the fact that this is half a remake. Because, like, you know, like I was talking previously about the uh, the first film, like the whole slow motion sequences and the freeze frames or whatever really, you know, imbe- you know imprint the uh, the rapists, like, you know, who they are in our mind or what have you. Mm-hmm. In this movie, you know, about the only thing I remember now is the, um, like you, th- you mentioned in the other review, the uh, older gentleman who talks about his inability to get it up. <laughs> And whatnot, you know? It, it, it was all just a dog pile, essentially. Oh, by the way, well, uh, during that quite horrible sequence where she, I knew it's tied down and she has four people go at her, or three maybe, it's hard to spot because it's quite an active sequence and they're running around and like... One of the four is Elvis Choi. What? Yes! Elvis Choi doesn't get killed in this movie? What's going on here? I don't remember if he did get killed or not. You know, <laughs> if 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 he, she ever took revenge on him, I don't think so. But uh, he, he doesn't have a moustache in this one. He's, uh, he's quite unrecognizable without it, but he's in period wear and, and obviously a, um, a headpiece and what have you. So, uh, so yeah, brothel customer as his credit uh, at uh, HKMDB, and that's him. So rewind that sequence if you want to see uh, Elvis Choi. And he, he was at Shore Brothers every now and again because him and oh for heaven's sake i think it was in a laugala movie lady is the boss i think he appears in and uh but yeah a, a, a quite a thinner elvis choi but elvis choi didn't turn f- uh, fat you know he put he put on mass in an always sunny in philadelphia kind of a kind of joke <laughs> but he actually put on actual mass you know he became a big like imposing yeah. guy a fairly muscular guy so at this point he was kind of uh, doing his skinny face but yeah there, there, there's a reason for you to go back to that sequence now hey I saw him. Always, always time to revisit a rape scene, you know? It's always time for that. But yeah, it's when, when the like unlikable segments start happening and the, those uh, uninteresting themes start happening, happening, it also feels like this, uh, it, it isn't melo, intense melodrama, but it really becomes the melodrama that's there. It's also uninteresting. It's, um, it, it, I, really, I really tuned out during the last... 20 minutes or so where we get the most reveals and the most like characters starting to change finally start to see how the assassin and john uh have a history together and whatnot as and that's not supposed to be uninteresting that's supposed to be interesting you know that it could <laughs> you know, i don't mind the choice but it really isn't interesting it really isn't affecting at all uh and uh, i think it's expository to 
uh, like you read about too, because everything that they feel and everything that happens is talked of and it's impossible to miss. And uh, sometimes that's good for a complex movie, but here it's like, that, that's also uninteresting because I don't care about it, even though I know about it now. Thank you. Thank you for telling me. Just like we were talking about in the previous film where, you know, the, essentially we find out that I knew is uh, not completely honest about her feelings just because of the way she looks. You know what I'm saying? She doesn't have to come out and say, you know, what's going on and what have you, that she's just playing Chun and blah, blah, blah. She just, you know, she's unhappy and she's dressing and acting in a way that's totally not her. You know, we get that, you know. Moaning, moaning cynical critics we are, but I'm sure if you ask the director, he'd probably tell you that this is a much lesser film than the original. No, I was going to do a dementia joke there, but I'm not going to. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fuck it. You know, he'd be glad to forget this movie. You know, so <laughs> you know, if he would choose one piece of memory to lose, like lost for love, lost for love. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Hope you're all right, Shoyun. So um, yeah, on all of that and all of that. Uh, I don't have any notes. Do you have anything else you want to say, buddy? I mean, I have a ton of notes, but uh, none of it's really necessary other than saying I knew has like mega hairy armpits. Besides <laughs> yeah, that, that's necessary. I mean, I mean, I needed to get that in there. But uh, aside from does that, that disgust you, John Joshua? I'm really setting you up. As, <laughs> I gotta, you know, it's, it's it's whatever. I'm an open-minded guy, but like, yeah, she's got. I'm when I said mega hairy, I mean, I'm she's got more arm hair under her arm hair than I do, like way more. Like she's got a bush underneath both arms. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm really uh, mean to you know, like, oh, 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 please cut it out, like, Ken. I don't, I don't know. I don't. You know, I don't care. <laughs> I'll say the stupidest shit possible, and I would say that, hey, you know, it, could you at least trim it up a little bit? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't want to sit here and uh, end up actually getting some caught in my mouth or something. That would be interesting. What would you on earth be doing in her armpits, though? Okay, just imagine, all right, there's plenty of times your face ends up there. You know really? what I'm saying? Yeah. Explain it to me. I'm, 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 I'm a novice on these kind okay, of things. Okay, when a man loves a woman <laughs> very much, all right. But the pee-pee uh, doesn't go in there, I know that much. So. No, but, you know, I mean, you're tussling, you know. <laughs> your face is, you know, there's a pillow there, you know. I mean, all kinds of different all things. Not all the way in there. No. I mean, there's a cavity <laughs> there, for heaven's sake, you know. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, I mean, you could be a missionary or what have you, and you, I don't know, you could be getting close or what have you, or you could just be cuddling in bed. You know, things things happen, man. I think you're echoing the fact that you're kind of into into a fetish of, uh, you know, armpit licking. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, no, no I never end up there. I mean, I end up plenty of other places, but... <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't dive in there. <laughs> I don't know. I've found I'm, my... I'm not motorboarding her armpit or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> With her, yeah, you couldn't get close enough. The hair would block you. I don't know, Joshua. We have different uh, views on how, how we... How we uh, I would travel. <laughs> travel hey, I'm just human, saying. Human body, female body. If she could, if she could get that softball-sized, you know, wad of hair underneath her arm, maybe get it down to like, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, what 
let's do some smaller ball. I don't know, uh, tennis or something, maybe. <laughs> maybe let's just take it down a notch. And that was like one paragraph of your notes, like that you was. Know, yeah, God damn it, woman, you gotta take it time. And I was like, click, 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 right, right, right. <laughs> I've got four pages of notes on it, and uh, one's covered in blood for some movie. reason. Oh you know, Jesus! It's, it's like really mad about this stuff. Like, God damn it, I'm cutting myself because I hate this so much. <laughs> oh dear, she. It's the most exciting part of this review. <laughs> <laughs> By page four, I started writing a letter. By to page Shorter. four, I started to. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I'm pretty sure they're still around. Pretty sure I can get in touch with. Hey, Choi Yun, do you remember this? <laughs> you still remember? Dear this? Mona Fong, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there any way using CGI that you could go back and revisit Lust for Love? Over here in America, we have this guy called George Lucas. He's an expert <laughs> CGIing out and adding stuff as well. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing with Greedo, you know, that's, you know, might be unforgivable, but trust me, you can get away with this unarmpit hair thing. Finally get lustful of uh, disrespect. Redux. Yeah, redux, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Anything else uh, of the human body you want to complain about? No, I mean, you know, I don't have to worry, I don't think, because what's the chances of a female listening to this show? And. You know, you know, aside from Wendy, but she doesn't care about... Uh, yeah, oh yeah, Wendy, I can tell her all day she agree. So it's all good. Well, 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 let's uh, round it off then and talk of availability. It's actually in the same as in the first review. It's uh, part of the Celestial Remastered range of Shaw Brothers movies. It's still in print on Hong Kong DVD. Uh, minor trivia note, this was on Laserdisc. Uh, uh, Ocean Shores, rem- uh, one of the few like companies that officially release Shaw Brothers movies on uh, on um, home video was Ocean Shores. They had uh, a fair amount of the Shaw Brothers 80s movies in various genres, uh, but most of them were cropped and um, the subtitles therefore were cropped there with them. So that includes uh, Lust for Love of a Chinese Quarter Zone. So it, it, it could be fun to collect, but uh, not easy to watch because the, the scope frame cropped that to 133 and the subtitles are pretty much... Um, only 20-30% left uh, and all of that. And um, Plus the movie's not very good, so... It, it, it kind of can't be forgive, forgiven, yeah. So if you if you find it for a cheap price, the cover is um, the original poster and all of that, so it, it, it could be fun to collect. I'd definitely pick it up if I saw it for a good price. And there, there's always a trailer or two after, after the movies on Ocean Shores uh, laser discs that uh, you might have seen or have not seen, so it's a, it's a little bonus. Uh, but okay, that's us uh, done for... Uh, that uh, this episode 30, the, the, the Courtesan, not trilogy even, but uh, the Courtesan uh, movies, the two of them, done and dusted. And maybe in the future we'll get a remake uh, again. Who knows? Uh, I, I will be we'll cover it. Yeah, I will be queuing up as such. And uh, I got my Courtesan movie, you know, and uh, that's all I need, the first one. We'll be recovering it 10 years after its release. That's uh, because that, that's normally when I watch movies. You know? <laughs> exactly. Like, I think it's ready. I'm, I'm ready for the raid now, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Never ready for it. Uh, but anyway, next episode I'm ready for. Uh, hopefully it will turn up this way. We'll keep it a little bit up in the air in terms of uh, the final uh, plan. But I'm hoping to finally score the English-dubbed hardcore pornography edit of Julie Lee's Trilogy of Lust, featuring uh, uh, uncredited directing by Mutum Fay. I have seen this version 
the hardcore version. Uh, uh, we only have it in German, though. It was released on German DVD, and I also have the re-edited Category 3 edit. Uh, that's subtitled, uh, but obviously nearly softcore, and a lot of editing had to, t- had to take place. Uh, you can piece the movie together if you watch those two versions, but uh, I, I'd, uh, I would like to have the full ugly genitalia onslaught in English yes. as well. That would, would be swell. <laughs> <laughs> and I quote, uh, I quote King, whose blog about that. He mentioned that there's a lot of ugly genitalia on display, uh, and no, bo- no body hair trimming either in that one, including for Julie. Uh, so if that gets done, we'll pair it up with the soft core, no matter how you look at it, uh, because it was only shot that way. Unrelated sequel to Trilogy of Lust called Trilogy of Lust 2, starring Julie Lee as well. And there was no third Trilogy of Lust. There's not even three <laughs> stories in it either. It's one story. Uh, Trilogy of Lust, part one and two. That's it. <laughs> Duology. I don't know what you call two things. It's way too complex of a word. Like exactly. That's why they call it Trilogy of Lust. Uh, but they're pretty special. I mean, examining uh, hardcore pornography is uh, is uh, entertaining, at least, to do on the show. It's not a very good movie. The second one I remember liking a lot more. Well, there was some heinous stuff in it, but this one scene, and I think I told you about this before, a, a male character, I believe, walks into, I think, Julie Lee's home, or her, like, I don't know, sex lair or some shit like that. It's filled with graffiti, and he gets so turned on. I think he's in a bath in her bathroom that he takes her comb and uh, shoves the handle up himself <laughs> repeatedly to sexually gratify himself, which is fine. But then he puts it back. I think. <laughs> oh what? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but there's no scene. I think of Judy Lee. Like, oh my god, it smells like yeah. it's been up some guy's ass. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> Why would you not have that payoff? That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, my, my memory might be foggy about like the if the maybe there was such a scene, but the, the movie isn't like this uh, goofy comedic time. It's pretty decadent, if anything. Or they could do like in Clerks, the way the whole movie like they're, they're like, yeah, you smell like uh, nail polish or whatever. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, shoe polish. polish. Yeah. You smell like shoe polish, or whatever. They could do that to uh, her throughout the movie. Hey, you smell like shit. Trilogy of Lost Redux. <laughs> I'm redoing the subtitles. <laughs> so we'll hopefully get that uh, Got King Who on the case because he blogged about that uh, English dubbed version. He got it, uh, a bootleg DVD of it, so hopefully he'll find it. Uh, if not, we'll just stick with, you know, watching the subtitle version and watching the German version and combining the two in our mind, so to say. Uh, it's not really hard to uh, do it that way. It's, uh, it's fairly constructive to do, do it that way. Anyway, we'll hopefully score a guest or two as well for that episode. I think uh, the, suit, the guests I have in mind, the Trashy Trio, <laughs> you know, yes. Wendy and Jay, and therefore you, Joshua, you became, you, you, you have to pick camps. Are you part <laughs> of this weekend's lead or are you part of the <laughs> Trashy Trio? Oh, God. Make the right choice. That's all I'm saying. You're tearing me apart. (laughs) You you have to separate your characters, you know. The great Lord Joshua Regal on one side. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Josh. I'm the host of the Tragedy Trio. These are my friends. Hi, friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. But uh, yeah, we'll hopefully get uh, because I want to return the favor because you were so kind to have me on on the treasure trio. So I'm hoping yeah. to return the favor. And I think this this uh, 
based on the material alone and you guys being so uh, enjoyable to speak with and chat with, I think um, those choices are uh, good choices in that regard. Uh, They'll generate Cornwall, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Based on body hair alone. Yeah. (laughs) Wendy will have much to say about the hardcore porn, I'm sure. So it'll be great. Uh, so hopefully that will happen. But uh, if uh, if it all falls apart, uh, we can't do it next episode. We'll find something to do next episode, obviously. Uh, so keep watching the Facebook update. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All righty. We are done. Uh, quick contact information. This has been the Big 30. Wasn't it big? <laughs> Wasn't it big and celebratory? We liked one movie. We didn't like one movie. Meh. Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. It's my kind of celebration. You know, in and out quickly. I'm more of the Ricky Gervais kind of like uh, stance on the whole whole thing. You know, he talked once of uh, he's got a bunch of uh, nieces and nephews, and he you know he buys presents for them. But uh, whenever he's at a birthday party with them, and they are kind of clinging on to him and kind of uh, hi Ricky, hi Uncle Ricky, and someone asked him, "Is that enjoyable for five minutes? Maybe." <laughs> I am a cynical guy at heart, I think, yeah, but um, I'm not like this uh, sulky kind of like, well, well, fuck you for inviting me here and like, uh, hope you hope you rot in hell, everybody. I'm not bastards. I'm like a drunk, uh, drunk relative at Christmas or anything. Like, uh, let me tell you something, what I think about you. Uh, but anyway, uh, we are this weekend's least. We are located at podcastonfire.com. Get this show and all the other, all the other shows and bonus episodes on that site. Uh, podcastonfire at googlemail.com is our email. We are on Facebook. Like our page, facebook.com forward slash PUF network. Join the discussion group. Click the link or type in podcast on fire network in the Facebook search box. Tweet us. Follow our tweets. Twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. Follow my writing and video reviewing, sogoodreviews.com, sleazykvideo.com, and follow my tweets, twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews. This weekend's leads are on iTunes or is on iTunes or whatever. Uh, rate and subscribe and leave us a written comment if you like the show and have the time. It doesn't take much. One or two sentences. Uh, that will get uh, into the, to the iTunes library. We would very much appreciate that. And if you don't down, like downloading podcasts to your device, check out Stitcher stream us online, but also the application available to your iPad and Android or iPhone, and possibly some other devices in the future. Shelflifeclothing.com, Brian Kirby's t-shirt line. He's helped out the show with music and what have you, so support him. And finally, Joshua, where do they go to support you? Very excited like that, Nat. And then just Google the Trashy Trio podcast. And hey, yeah, listen to it. Because I can't save a URL from what? <laughs> you know, from no, I can't. I'm like, is it thetrashytrio.libson.com or is it trashytrio.libson.com? It's one or the other. And I don't want to lead you to the wrong thing. Well, the right link will be in the show post. Uh, there you go. Look there. At least the other link doesn't lead to like uh, this Nazi hate site or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is Joshua doing? <laughs> It'd be fitting. I'd be, <laughs> yeah, okay. And it's actually a Nazi hate podcast as well. It's like, yes. Because it's lips yeah. <laughs> Hey, we're the Trashy Trio, the only Aryan Brotherhood podcast on the net. I can't believe Ken does a podcast with him. <laughs> it will affect me too. So, but, um, yeah. Hopefully that's not the case. But no, please. Don't listen, listeners, the few listeners that we have, don't create a podcast of that kind with that URL. Don't do it. We don't support hate of that kind. So. Well, yeah, it'd be funny. <laughs> 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 
pretty funny. I mean, I would laugh. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess I wouldn't, but you know, whatever. Body hair and there. <laughs> Body hair and, and now, now you want a Nazi podcast? <laughs> Nazi podcast. Joshua has revealed his true colors. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, we we are done for this episode, so let's stop the classy fucking, and next time, hopefully, it will be a lot of ugly genitalia and low-class fucking to be talked about. Oh, about. very low-class, so yes. Stop the, this kind of fucking, and await, eagerly anticipate the next kind of fucking on the next episode, so see you next time. Bye-bye.